Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Tonight we're going to have a water baptismal service, and so I thought I would talk about uh, water baptism a little bit tonight and point out some things that I think would be helpful. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I, I remember growing up as a child uh, in church when I got to be a certain age. I don't know how old I was. I wasn't very, very old. I mean, I was in elementary school, I think, when our church finally built an indoor baptistry. Uh, back then, this was in the, in the early 50s, mid 50s, a lot of churches didn't have indoor baptism. How many of you know that when John the Baptist baptized and when other people in the New Testament baptized, they went down to the river? Amen? And uh, that's where we used to go. I remember as a little boy going down to the river with the... Now, our church was not a small church. It wasn't that we were a little country church. The church that I attended, uh, I have a picture in, in, uh, that my... Uh, mother gave me of our, it was it was the Springfield in Jacksonville, Florida. It was the Springfield Church of God. And in 1949, there's a picture of everybody in front of the church, and there was over 700 people in attendance that Sunday. Now you think about it; that was a huge church back then. In fact, that you know that was before the day of the mega churches. You know, there's a there's a, 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 a the 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 specter or the or the or the uh, experience of you know the mega churches. We all know that experience or that that expression. And I was reading recently that a mega church is uh, considered any church two thousand or more on a weekend, not just on one service, but in a weekend, two thousand or more in attendance is considered a mega church. Well, here was a Pentecostal church in 1949 that had almost 1,000 people in attendance on, in one service on Sunday morning. That would be a mega church back then. And yet we did not have an indoor baptistry because most churches didn't. Like I said, I was probably in elementary school whenever uh, we first, uh, uh, you know, the, the, you know, it was an addition made to the back of the church and a baptistry put in. But I remember going to the river and, uh, and, you know, we would, the, the pastor would go down to the water and all the people would gather around the banks and, you know, and then the, the people who were being baptized would wade out into the water and they'd have the baptismal. So I remember taking a little boat and uh, my friends and I, you know, after the baptismal service, after it was over, we would play with our boats in the water, you know, down at the river's edge. And so, uh, you know, it was just something, how many of you ever been to one of those? Ever been to a river baptism? I've baptized in the river right here in Santa Fe River before. So uh, I, I came full circle. But uh, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the story. You might have heard the story of the drunk man, you know, who stumbled, you know, in his way. And he stumbled into a, to a water baptismal service down by the river. And so he just waded out, you know, into the water. He was drunk, you know. He waded out in the water and uh, stood right beside the preacher. The preacher turned to him and said, are you ready to find Jesus? He said, yeah, yeah, pastor. So the the preacher, grabbed, Pastor Gradman, just dunked him in the water, pulled him up, said, have you found Jesus? He said, no, sir, I haven't. So he dunked him in the water again, pulled him up, and said, have you found Jesus? He said, no, sir, I haven't. This, this happened two or three times, and each time was, Pastor, I have not found Jesus. 
So finally, the pastor's getting aggravated, you know. So he dunked him in the water. And this time he held him down for about 30 seconds, you know. <laughs> Bubbles coming up out of the water, you know. So finally he pulls him up and he said, have you found Jesus? He said, are, she, are you sure this is where he fell in? <laughs> I said that to say this. We're not looking for Jesus in the water tonight. If you haven't found Jesus already, you're not going to find him in the water, okay? <laughs> so, so why do we baptize in water? What is it all about? Well, we know that water baptism was already in practice before Jesus came on the scene. In fact, Jesus' introduction to the nation of Israel came about at the baptism of John. Before Jesus ever came on the scene, the Bible says that John was baptizing in the River Jordan. And so the Holy Spirit led Jesus to go down and to be baptized uh, in, the, in, the, in the river. Uh, in Matthew 28, we have the instructions of Jesus. And he said in verse 18, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then the companion verse of that, of course, is in the 16th chapter of Mark. Turn over there with me. Mark chapter 16. <clears throat> in verse 15, he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And so we see here that Jesus taught water baptism. More than that, he commanded water baptism. And so for the Christian, being baptized in water is not a, uh, is not a method of salvation. You're not saved by being baptized in water. But if you're going to obey the commandment of the Lord and to follow him fully in life, then you will be baptized in water because he commanded it. Thousands of people in the New Testament uh, were baptized in water. We have the record on the day of Pentecost. You don't have to look right there, but in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, there were thousands of people saved. And Peter got up and said that, uh, uh, that they could be baptized in water. And many that day were baptized in water. That's in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 8, the believers in, at Samaria, the entire city of Samaria came out and were saved and were baptized in water by Philip. In the same chapter, Philip went down, you know, and met the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch was baptized in water. In the ninth chapter of Acts, Saul, who later became Paul, was baptized in water. In the 10th chapter, Cornelius and his household was baptized in water. In the 16th chapter, uh, Lydia, a textile fabric dealer, was baptized in water in the first part of that chapter. In the latter part of the 16th chapter, the Philippian jailer that had put Paul and Silas in, in, in jail, he was baptized and his household. In Acts chapter 18, it says that many of the Corinthians came and were baptized. And then in Acts chapter 19, the 12 Ephesians uh, remember the 12 disciples there at Ephesus? They were baptized. So we have the account of Jesus, of course, commanded water baptism. And then we see it in the New Testament in the book of Acts that many were baptized in water. Uh, in, in the days of the New Testament, water baptism was a very 
important thing in the sense that it identified someone as being a Christian. Many people suffered a great deal of persecution because of being baptized in water. Many people lost their, they were separated from their families. They lost their standing in the community. To, it would be one thing to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in private and be born again, but being baptized in water was very much a public statement. It was a public statement that I have identified with Christ and, and, and I'm leaving my old life and taking on a new life. And like I said, people were excommunicated from the synagogue because of it, persecuted. We know uh, Brother Christopher Allen. If you've, if you've read his life story, he has a tremendous story, born into a Muslim home uh, there in Pakistan and uh, the son of a very prominent Pakistani general. And as a young man, someone on the street corner witnessed to him and he gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ and it cost him everything. He gained everything. But it cost him everything in his natural life. His family turned against him. You know, for a Muslim family, particularly in a Muslim country, uh, you are denounced. You are basically, you become dead to your family. They cut you off completely. And so he suffered the separation and the loss of his mother and his father and his brothers and sisters and his friends. And, and he lived in a very, uh, uh, his, his father was very influential. So Christopher lived in a very privileged, uh, he lived a very privileged lifestyle with, with uh, kind of the elite of society. He lost all of that. And, uh, you know, like I said, his mother and father turned their back on him. He was eventually imprisoned. His father had him put in prison because he would not deny his faith. He had him put into an asylum. He, he actually spent time in a mental in institution. We called them back then insane asylums. Simply because of his faith in Christ. He was put in prison and finally his, his own father issued the order to have him executed. And it was that time that he escaped from prison, somehow made it over into Sweden, got a uh, political asylum in Sweden, eventually came to the United States and became a U.S. citizen, went to Raymond and so forth. Uh, but, you know, it cost him everything to commit to Christ. But he tells the stories, told Pastor Greg and I the story that there was a man there in Pakistan, a pastor, who uh, even though Christopher escaped with his life, his pastor, this pastor who baptized him in water, after Christopher escaped, the pastor was executed for the crime of baptizing Christopher Allen in water. And so water baptism is not something that we should think uh, of lightly. We don't have here in America the kind of opposition and the kind of persecution, but we need to respect and understand that people have given everything in order to follow the Lord in water baptism. I want to give you four scriptures tonight and just kind of real short uh, so we won't take a lot of time. But uh, just look at, it, uh, at water baptism and point out some things. I want you to go with me first of all to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. The first of these are sort of pictures of water baptism. 1 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> verse number 18. We'll begin in verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit by whom also he went and preached to the, to the spirits in prison who formerly would, were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. 
there is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience to God or toward God through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you see here that in Noah's day, the flood was a picture of New Testament baptism. It calls that, that, that uh, baptism is the antitype. That would mean that the flood was a type of water baptism. And if you think about the, the, what happened during uh, Noah's time, when Noah and his family, there were only eight people who responded to the call of God. Think about that. In all the earth, only eight people responded. But they responded, and because they obeyed God, they were brought into the ark of safety. And that's, that's sort of uh, equivalent to our believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we are taken in to God's safekeeping, into the church, into the body of Christ. And, uh, and of course, we know that the people who did not uh, go into the ark, they all perished. And uh, uh, for these eight people... When they went into the ark, they were separated from the world. It's, it separated them. The world was on the outside. They were on the inside. And for them, it, it, it signified that the past life was completely gone. You know, can you imagine what the earth looked like after those many days when the waters finally receded on the planet earth? Everything familiar had been destroyed. All of the landmarks were removed. Everything was gone. The peop all the people were gone. And for, for those eight people, it really signified the, the complete uh, uh, abandoning. The former life was gone. It wasn't something that they had to leave. They left it by getting into the ark. And then God took it all away. Well, the Bible says if any man is in Christ, he is the work of a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And so they began an entirely new life. When, the, when, when uh, Noah and his family came out of the, out of the ark, the, a complete, completely new life, a new lifestyle, a new world emerged for them. It was, a, it was a very dramatic thing. Go with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> First Corinthians 10, let's start in verse number one. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea and were baptized by Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Here we see that the children of Israel, their experience of going into or through the Red Sea, passing through the midst of the Red Sea is a type of water baptism. In the same way, uh, they had to completely trust God for their passage. Can you imagine walking down with water stacked up on both sides of you with no, nothing holding it there but God? No wall, no glass. The water was just held up by the power of God. And they had to walk down through them. The Bible says they walked on dry ground and passed through the Red Sea. And so to do that, they had to, had to completely trust God. How many of you had to really trust God when you came to Christ? You really didn't know how it could be. I talked about this this morning. Faith doesn't know all the answers. Faith trusts in the one who has the answer. 
And so it's a, it's a trust in God. And so they had to put all of their confidence in God as they made their passage through, uh, through the sea. They were leaving, just like in Noah's day, they were leaving their past behind. Now, in their case, the past was still visible. They could still see it, and they had to separate themselves from it. And, uh, and they could see on the other side a new future. Now, it was no doubt a little bit scary for them because they didn't know what was ahead. They didn't know what the new life would, would hold. Many of us, when we were born again, we came to Christ. We didn't understand everything. We just knew that we couldn't, we couldn't live the old life anymore. And yet the new life might have been just a little bit scary. scary. It might have been just a little bit, there might have been a little bit of apprehension because you don't really know, you know what, what God has for you. You're forsaking everything to follow him. And I know when I got back into fellowship with the Lord as a young man, you know, I knew something about the Bible because I'd been raised in church, but I didn't know a lot about the blessing of God or the provision of God. I didn't know anything about what God had done for us in redemption, you know, as far as, far as our inheritance. I didn't know any of that. I just knew I couldn't live that old life anymore. I had to turn my back on that, but there was a little bit of apprehension in the sense that I really didn't know what it would cost me. I really didn't know what God had for me. Oh, I found out it was more and greater than I could have ever imagined. Praise God. They were leaving slavery. The children of Israel were leaving slavery. They knew that much. And I knew that much. When I got back in the fellowship of the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm tired of li living as a slave of sin. Glory to God. And not only that, their past ruler died in the flood. Whenever they went through the, the Red Sea, when the waters returned, the Pharaoh and all of his army was destroyed. Remember this morning I talked about the fact that Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the devil and that through death uh, Jesus might destroy him who had the power of death. Well, in, in, their, in their case, Pharaoh was actually destroyed. He actually died. He passed away. He was rendered powerless over them. Amen? And they now had a new ruler. Moses became their ruler. They were a subject to a cruel ruler. In, in, uh, in Egypt, but they found a new ruler in Moses. And Moses was a type of Christ. Remember, Moses says, there's another prophet, will, another prophet will arise like me, him you are to hear. So Moses was a type of Christ. And so uh, they, may, they may have had a helpless feeling as they walked through the waters. But when they came out of the waters and the waters rushed back, they had a brand new life in a brand new land. Glory to God. Amen. Go with me to Colossians chapter 2. <clears throat> Colossians, the second chapter. Praise God. Colossians chapter 2. Let's start in verse number 12. Buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead and your in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Water baptism, the most important thing about water baptism is what it signifies. Signifies the fact, it's a type of the fact that when we were joined to Christ, when we became one with him, you can find this also in Ephesians. Look over there real quick. The second chapter of Ephesians. Verse number five, even when we were dead in trespasses, we were made alive together with Christ. 
By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so in, in water baptism, we have a, a symbolism of the fact that we died with Christ. We were buried with Christ. We were made alive with Christ. And we were raised up with Christ. And, 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 and if you follow it on through, not only were we raised up with him, we were seated with him. Yeah. Now you wonder how in the world can that be? I was born in 1960. Well, the fact is, in the spirit realm, there is no time, there is no distance. And when you were born again, God took you as a, as a recreated uh, person. God took that old man and, and first of all, immersed you into Christ, into his death. You can say, I died with Christ. People talk about their testimony sometimes. People say, well, you know, when I was a young person coming up, we would always have people, you know, that would come through that have these real dynamic testimonies. Brother Steve was talking about, about uh, Randall Greer's testimony. You know, he served, I think, 12 years in prison uh, for felony, you know, uh, theft and, and grand larceny and so forth. And he escaped from prison three different times and was caught. And, well, the last time he turned himself back in. But, uh, you know, we, we used to enjoy having people with these real dramatic testimonies like that, all, all of the bad things they had done and then they came to Christ and those were the people that were always celebrated. And, and we used to think, you know, if, if we're ever going to mount to anything as a Christian, we're going to have to go out and really do something bad, you know, so, so that we too can have a testimony. But, you know, I have the greatest testimony of anybody. I went to hell. I was crucified. Put that on your resume. What about your former life? Well, I was crucified. I died. I went to hell. I was made alive and I was raised up. Glory to God. Resurrected. That's pretty good testimony. That's what water baptism is a type of. It's a type of the fact that we, that we died with him. We were buried with him. We suffered with him. We, made, we were made alive with him and we were raised with him. Glory to God. That's who we are. We're resurrection people. Glory to God. And so water baptism, like I said, we're going to do this tonight because uh, 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 it's a commandment of the Lord. And, you know, I, I don't know why people uh, hesitate sometimes to be baptized in water, but it is something that is meaningful. And, uh, and it should have a, a very important place in our life. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.